Hey everybody, welcome to episode one of The Call. We are so, so, so excited that you guys are here um, to embark on this amazing journey with us through this podcast creation. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. We have an amazing guest this week. His name is Caden Perkins, and we're going to hop into his interview in just a second. We had a great time um, recording this episode together. I do want to give a quick disclaimer, though. Um, Throughout the podcast, for some reason, I kept backing away from the microphone. I guess I would laugh, or I would take a sip of my water, or something along those lines, Um, and I would get quieter every time I did that. I didn't know when I was recording. But now I know, so it won't happen again. But just bear with me through that. Like I said, this is the first episode, so we got some trial and error to work through. Um, But all in all, it's a great episode. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Stay tuned, and um, we're going to have a great time. What's up, Caden? How you doing, bro? What's up, bro? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing good, man. Um, how how are you, man? How how are things going? Man, it's uh, it's going good. You know, living life. How about you? Man, doing good, doing good, living the dream. Awesome. Heck yeah, man. Well, um, I wanted to. I mean, as you know, you came on the podcast. You want to do an interview, or I want you to do an interview, guys. I actually forced Caden, like, forced him. He did. He did. Podcast. I've asked him. 382 times i've counted um yeah to do this podcast and i'm just i'm so excited to have him on and i'm so excited for um him to be able to tell you his story to tell you what he does um so why don't we start with that tell tell us about yourself man tell us what you do and um, oh gosh just just you know tell us tell us all about yourself (laughs) that's a loaded question um gosh a little bit about me where i start you know i've you know, I've had straight A's ever since I was born. All right. Came out the womb as a six seven you athlete. You can't came out the womb as a six seven athlete. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I was just out there balling. Uh no, really though. Um I mean I'm from a small town in Alabama. It's Aniana. I probably never heard of it. I would not be upset if you never heard about it. Caden but that's where I came from. Still hasn't heard about it. Yeah, I still haven't even heard about it. Still <laughs> Not even sure if it's a real place at this point, uh, but I I was born there and I grew up there until I was about eight years old, and then I uh, moved to the great city of Huntsville, Alabama, where I met my best friend to this day, Mr. Mason Thornton. Yes, who is sir. This podcast, and uh, from there I was serving and in, in church, my local church there, and uh, a few few years later I uh, moved to Memphis, and I'm currently at the Life Church serving every almost every day it feels like uh mostly on weekdays and wednesdays i'm going to college in the fall studying psychology and uh, minoring in communications um, man yeah man that's awesome that's awesome what are you what are you gonna do with your psychology degree <laughs> man honestly i'm not sure yet i could either what i'm thinking is i could either go into a kind of a counseling therapist kind of uh, position or maybe I could go into like a youth pastor position at a church and use the skills I've learned from studying psychology and communications to uh, better help struggling youth teen teenage age kids I don't know something along those lines of just helping the younger generation that's awesome one thing that um that these guys listening to this podcast might not know about you is just how passionate you are for the next generation. And I've seen it over the past year and I've had that opportunity to see it, but the people listening to this podcast has not had the opportunity to see just how awesome you freaking are. And so we're going to dive deep um, throughout this podcast into, into your life, into we're going to ask you some tough questions. I know that you're looking forward to that. Um, I do want you to know people listening to the podcast. Caden has no idea what I'm going to ask him. So this is going to be a lot of fun, and oh, I'm sure gosh. he's a little bit scared about it. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with a banger, man. Are you Are you okay with that? 
<laughs> go for it, bro. Okay. Um. Well. Okay. I'll I'll lead you up into it. Um. All right. What What do you do at Life Church in Memphis? Like, what is your role? Um. What mm. What kind of led you there? Uh. Like, what What do you do? Right. So. I guess we can start with what led me to Life Church because that's kind of the beginning of it all. Yeah. So the church I was going to in Huntsville, um, we had a decently sized youth group for the area. And every summer we would go to this this kind of church conference for youth. Uh, and it was called Access Nation. And Access Nation was hosted by the Live Church, the church that I'm at right now. And in 2018, I, uh, I went to one of their conferences and I gave my life to God. And I was like, cool, awesome. What do I do now? I was still in <laughs> high school at the time. Um, and I just felt this calling to, you know, go to Memphis and go through the internship program at the Life Church. And so as soon as I finished up high school, I moved to Memphis and I started their year one internship program and uh, started serving in pretty much every area of the church. That's awesome, man. So I want to actually go back to um, to the Axis Nation where where you got saved, and I actually got saved the year prior to that at Axis Nation. Um, and right. A lot of you don't know that are listening to this. Axis Nation is actually next. Well, I guess when this comes out this week. Yes, sir. Let's um, go. We're super excited about that. I won't be attending this year, um, but I'm very jealous of Caden and. Um, the rest of the people that um, will be attending. If you have never heard of Axis Nation, it is an amazing conference um, for you to go go to, and um, they 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 help you grow in a ways, whether that's through serving or just through sitting in the pews and listening um, to to a message and to worship. And man, let me just tell you the the worship there. I've never experienced anything quite like it. The uh, Life Church Memphis, uh, hands down best worship experience i think i've had in person um besides probably hillsong united which was at axis nation so yeah i was about to say that was at axis nation <laughs> so yeah so i mean axis nation i've experienced the the best worship um that i ever have so um you know just shameless plug to something i'm not even involved in um axis nation absolutely absolutely fantastic um place to be Okay, yeah. so now I feel like that was kind of an easy question to ease you into the hard questions, okay? I guess, I guess so. If that was uh, easy, I'm scared now. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I think everybody that's in ministry has something so, something that answers this next question, okay? Oh, gosh, okay. What is one thing that you wish you would have known before you got into ministry? <laughs> Ah, man, you know, you were not lying when you said that I was not aware of any of these questions beforehand. Yeah, um, <laughs> not aware. I need those raw answers. Raw right, answers. right. So something I wish I knew. Okay. Um, it's not easy. It is, it is not easy. You're not always going to want to be there. Um. You can't go through the motions with it if you you just can't. Um, I'm still kind of young in it, but like, oh gosh, it's there's a lot to it. Yeah, it's so complex, and every small little position that you may think is like the smallest thing that has no significance, and you're like, why why am I having to do this right now? Like, why am I having to hold the door open? Like, I could be doing so much better, but literally every position is such a key part of ministry and that's just kind of part of what i've had to learn throughout this time of me serving in ministry right one thing that really sticks out to me is that you just said is like basically there's no small position right um and me and caden grew up in the same church um called building church it's in huntsville alabama we absolutely love it that you know I, i think we would both agree that's our home church you know, that's where we grew up. That's where um, we learned how to serve and we learned how to deal with tough people and learned how to learn from people, honestly. I mean, that's right. that's an asset that you have to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I'm not going to name a name, but Caden, you'll know who I'm talking about. Somebody that was 
serving at building church literally there every single day, you know, um, served his butt off, knew everything there was to know about tech and just about nobody outside of the inner circle at the church knew who he was. Mm-hmm. But still, even though nobody knew who he was, he didn't care about that. He kept serving. He was at the church literally every day. There were weeks where I had to be at the church every day, and I saw him there every day working on smoke, lights, speakers. Do you know who I'm talking about, Caden? I, I think so. Yeah, well, I think you did too. But just somebody that I think really, really – shows that there is no small position because a sir a sunday morning service at building church does not happen without this man would you agree i would agree even though he's completely behind the scenes even though nobody knows his name sunday morning doesn't happen without him and i think i agree with you on that like i think that would be mine too like it doesn't matter where you're serving in ministry it doesn't matter how you know, difficult it is not to be on stage every week. You know, I've that's one thing that I've dealt with because I love some good attention and I love to be on stage. But not every week you're going to get to be on stage. You know, and so that's something that I had to struggle with. But one thing that I learned from that, and if I could go back and tell my old self that, is that it doesn't matter. What you're doing is just, just as important as what that person's doing. Right. So, but yeah, I, I, I completely agree um, with what you said there about how no, there is no small position. All right. Okay. So I think the next question that I want to ask you um, is kind of a deep one. It's it kind of, it might hit on a personal level. Is that okay? I guess so. All right. All right. Let's do it. What is something that you think people misunderstand about you? You know, I'm going to try to answer this okay, the best I can, but honestly, I don't really – Oh, gosh. Okay, let, I... let, let me rephrase it in a way. What is something that if you thought somebody thought that about you, like it would make you feel terrible? Make me feel terrible? Uh, that I don't mm, – okay, hold on. That's a good one. That's a good one. Like something that you don't want people to think about you, but you feel like they might. Right. I feel like that's the best way to word that question. Okay. I have one. So I don't want people thinking that I'm, this could also go with the first question you asked. I don't want people to think that I am, I don't know if arrogance is the right word, but like, I guess full of myself or, People thinking I don't care uh, is one is probably one of the biggest things because for me it's very easy for me to sound nonchalant about things. Uh, like Mason can attest to this. Like he'll tell me some super crazy thing that happened in his life and like or something that happened that super good or whatever, and he'll be freaking out about it. And like on the outside, like oh yeah, that's cool. Like exactly how I just said it. Like, that's exactly how it come off. Like, oh yeah. Like, cool, bro. That's awesome. But like on the inside, I'm like, that's like my best friend. So like, I know like everything he's been through, and, like hearing this awesome stuff that's happening. Like I'm like freaking screaming on the inside, but like, it's hard for me to express it, I guess. But like, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's probably really it. Right. You don't want people to think that you're undermining what they say. Right, right. Which, which, again, I, I feel like I agree with that, you know, for, for me. And I will say, Caden, sometimes I will tell you something and you'll just be like, yep. <laughs> or, 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 yeah. Okay, right. sometimes I'm not always paying attention, though. But <laughs> most of the time I, I try to pay attention. So you want people to think that you care, but sometimes you don't care. <laughs> no. I'm most just, of the time, okay. I'm if I kidding. don't care, I'll tell them I don't care. Like, I'm not <laughs> – sounds mean, but, like, you know, I'll make it pretty obvious I don't care. But also, when I do care, I feel like people could take it as maybe I just don't care. I don't know. 
yeah I, I i feel you i feel like i do that too um but i do it more in a way i don't want people to misconstrue what i say because you kind of hit on it earlier dude sometimes i will say a joke that is out there and they will not mm-hmm. people don't understand that it's a joke you know and it and it's nothing against those people you know um it's just that they don't have the same sense of humor that I do, um, which my sense of humor is very strange. And I feel like nine out of 10 people um, don't understand it. But I feel like my jokes get misconstrued as maybe a mean comment or an insensitive comment. Um, I feel like that's something that I need to work on in myself is making sure and thinking about my jokes before I say them and making sure they're not going to hurt anybody's feelings. And so I, I saw what you were saying there, and I feel like I attest more to that. Um, but I also do understand what you were saying before, just kind of being misunderstood in a way that you think that people think that you just don't really care about what they're saying. You know? Right. Um, one thing that used to bother me really bad, not that you did, but... Um, <laughs> I probably that, did, though. That I kind of did was um so and i didn't notice that i did it until somebody brought it up to me but i can be fully invested in a conversation and text somebody back at the same time right but i got called out one time for talking to somebody but also being on my phone at the same time does that make sense i was like in a conversation with this person but they felt that i wasn't i wasn't paying attention to them because I was answering some texts on my phone, which I have worked on that now. And now I no longer, I try my best not to be on my phone at all when I'm talking to somebody because I realized that it bothered somebody else. Um, but that's another way that I feel like, I think that kind of goes along with what you were saying about being misunderstood and being like people thinking you don't care as much as you actually do. You know, um, I feel like that kind of goes line in, or hand in hand a little bit. I have kind of a it's not really a friendship question. What is a way oh, no. What is a way that you have had to handle conflict in ministry? And this is going to segue into <laughs> What is a way that you have had to handle conflict in ministry? Mm. Well, <laughs> because I know a lot of people from the outside looking in, believe that ministry is sunshine and butterflies. If you're in ministry, you write messages during the week and hit golf balls um, on Friday. You know. <laughs> so, what is what's one way that you've had to handle conflict um, in your kind of short ministry stint to this point? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um... And again, you don't have to name any names. Yeah, I will not be naming any names, uh, but there are definitely, you were saying people look at it as like sunshines and rainbows, and it is, listen, it's great, it's awesome, I love being in ministry, but it is not that at all. <laughs> There's going to be people that you don't like, like literally anything else in life, just because you're in ministry, it doesn't change that. There's people that I'm not the fondest of, but I still have to, you know, work alongside of and, uh, you know, have their back just because of, you know, the kind of, you know, kind of work that we're doing together. Um, you got to be able to put those kind of things aside and it's going to be frustrating. Um, and one thing is with, confrontation and how I've kind of learned to handle it is honestly I'm still learning how to handle it (laughs) (laughs) it's an everyday process right now especially right now because I am still super young in ministry and all that but oh my goodness it is mm, it's something to handle for sure Uh, you got to know how to handle it right Right now, I'm learning on just not saying anything, uh, but also that can also lead to more problems. Like, <laughs> right. um, yeah, the person gets frustrated because you're not talking to them, and it's like, okay, 
I don't know what to do. Uh, you know how, like, you know, if you can't say anything nice at all, just don't say anything. Um, my It's good advice, but sometimes you have to say something or else it just inflates the problem. And that's something I'm kind of working through right now. But probably the biggest thing I've learned so far is just communication. Um, not saying like, hey, we don't like each other, but we're still going to work together. Like, I don't think that's necessarily the way to do it, but I just think being able to communicate clearly on the task at hand in whatever situation is can be super helpful. As far as I've learned right now, it's just, if you can just focus on the task and both people can focus on it, I think then you're in a good spot. Yeah, I feel yeah. like, like I said, everybody thinks that there's no conflict in ministry because people think that if you're a ministry, you don't have a backbone. You can't have a backbone. You know, you can't take up for yourself. You can't, um, you can't be like, if you're a boss in ministry, you can't be a tough boss. And, and I don't, I don't know where that came from. I don't, I think people just believe that everybody in ministry is just the nicest human being on the planet and they have no other mode to, to switch to and from people in ministry are people, you know, right. they're, they're it, it's a person that you're dealing with and conflict's going to arise in just about almost on the daily you know whether it's small or big you know i've been in ministry situations where i've had to deal with huge conflict you know whether if it whether it was with a student or whether it was with um, a parent or whether it was with um, a pastor i think the way to handle that conflict is not so different from from how you would handle it in a non-ministry setting i be, i think that it's not diff, it's not so different than how an a human resources manager would hand uh would handle a situation you're kind of your own human resources manager in ministry you know you you've got to watch out for yourself you've got to be careful what you say to people but like you have to make sure and explain to people like if i made a mistake I'm sorry, I'm human too, you know, and if it's them that is in the wrong, then you have to tell that to them in a way that is, that can be stern sometimes, but is also in a loving way. And it's such a hard thing to do to find the, the balance between, okay, I've got to get this, this point across to them. I've got to tell them that they were wrong. I've got to, I've got to have this extreme conversation with them but I have to have it in the most loving ways that I, that I possibly can like our human nature is to say heck no like I'm about to go give this person a piece of my mind I'm not doing this you know I'm not dealing with this anymore I've had volunteers that I was like I'm gonna fire them and then my leaders like how are you gonna fire them you don't pay them. you know what I'm saying <laughs> like yeah like so it, it's a it's a it's just like handling conflict in a human resources setting, except you have to find a way to squeeze love in, you know, and, and to still love this person no matter what the situation is that you're having to deal with. Um, I was trying to think about it as you were talking a little bit more about what I said, what you were saying. Um, in some situations, you know, just focusing on a task at hand and that's it can kind of, it's not always the I think that's a good way to handle it for the start of it. But I think if you just keep doing that over and over again, it's just going to make the problem worse over time because you're just no one's dealing with it. I think it is important, like you said, to have those conversations, but just make sure that it is um, life-giving in a life-giving way. And it's not, you're not tearing one person down or. Yeah. And I, you know, I've heard pastors say, um, you know, give them, give them what they did well. Then tell them what they didn't do well. And then tell them two things that they did do well. <laughs> you know, like you have to, you have to drown out the, the bad with the good, you know? Right. And that's something that I have tried to do as a leader. And sometimes I've failed at that. You know, sometimes I have not done a good job of, you know, telling them the good because, I, I've I've kind of got this 
firecracker personality just a little bit where if I get just mad enough or if I get just annoyed enough, I will just say, like, listen, this is what you need to do. And if you don't want to do it, then you need to go somewhere else, which is not the right way to handle the situation. It's, it kind of goes along with the <laughs> yeah. Like, how are you going to fire him? You don't pay him. I don't care how mad I get. I have to act in a way that I'm ministering to this person. This is, this is what you did wrong. Well, this is what you did well. Okay, but let, let's take a look at what we would have maybe changed, what I would have changed, yeah. or what I would have done differently. But let me just tell you, you killed this and this and this and this. But again, that's what I would have changed. You know, and right. as a leader, your volunteers and your your fellow, even your lead, your fellow leaders and the leaders that lead you are going to respect you so much more than if you just you you just popped off. I don't know. It it's a it's a fine line that you have to find. Just like I said earlier, you have to find the line in. How do I get my point across in the most loving way that I possibly, possibly can? Right. Yeah, and I feel like that's the simple version of, of the answer to the question. But, like, one thing here at the Life Church, first of all, the name of the church is Life Church. So we try to be, like, one of our things just is being life-giving to every situation, whatever it may be. Um and a lot of our language focus on, focuses on that. So, like, sometimes, like, what you were saying about how, like, you'll say one good thing and then how they can improve and then, like, five other good things. <laughs> it's like, well, there's one pastor. It's like, if he, like, corrects you on something, you're going to be like, you're going to leave, like, like leave, you're going to leave the conversation like, oh, my gosh, like, that was, that was awesome. I'm doing great. Like, what, what was there even a correction on? And then you're like, Oh yeah, like that. That's what it was. But it's like, you, so you leave the conversation of correction feeling good about yourself, even though you just got corrected, which is normally not a good or fun experience at all. And normally, the language that we like to use here is um, improvements. Like we just, like I saw, like you did this. It was awesome, awesome. And I saw this area. You, you know, you were speaking on stage and. You know, one thing I thought that maybe we could improve on is blank. And I think that just helps, like, just saying, like, improving, which it's not saying it was bad. It's just saying there's, you know, we can, you can always keep going up from where you're at. One example that I have of this is the pastor of Building Church. You know, his conflict resolution is out of the world, out of this world. He's fantastic. If, um, <laughs> if you did something wrong, you're going to get – lunch but not only are you going to get lunch you're going to get an appetizer lunch <laughs> dessert you're probably going to get another lunch after dessert it doesn't even make sense how he buys your meals but he does and, yeah. and he's paying for it and like, he's paying for all this so you you just got a hundred dollar co correction and you <laughs> didn't even know about it you know but what he's doing by doing this is saying listen you did this but i still love you so much you know, right. I still want to pour into you. I still want you to pour into me. This is not the, what he says at all. He's never said this. But he, <laughs> by his actions, he's saying, I love you enough to spend $100. And I also love you enough to tell you where you are wrong. Right. He, me and, me and the pastor of Building Church, we've had some tough conversations. But I'll tell you one thing. When I leave there, I'm full and satisfied in my belly and I feel it because of it, you know, and that's just, that's just his way of doing it. Different, different leaders have different ways of doing it. Um, so I wanted food is to always the answer though. Food is always the answer. It's the way to my heart. It's the way to many people's hearts. It probably needs to stop oh, being yes. with my heart pretty soon. <laughs> I'm gaining some LBs if you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I wanted to flip this question, though, in terms of friendship. Okay, and this, this could get a little bit interesting right here. What is a way, and it's not just not just me, okay, even though I am... You're like my only friend. Like you're the only person to talk to. 
Dude, you're my I only know, friend. I have no other friends besides you. I, dude, me neither. And I feel like it's a whole lot more true coming from my end. <laughs> um, so in terms of friendship, same question. Best way that you've learned to um, handle conflict, but not not in ministry this time, just in terms of friendship, in terms of um, – in terms of acquaintances or friends or, or, or whatever. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you say about this. All right. So, <laughs> so, you know, obviously friendships, it's the same as any situation. If there's a disagreement, if there's conflict or anything, the best way to do it is just talk it through in a life-giving way. Um, and that's, you know, that's most situations, but especially in friendship, it's very important if you value that friendship to talk it through and, you know, figure out the problem, uh, how to solve it, all that kind of stuff. And with that being said, sometimes, you know, me personally, there's just being honest, I can let go of friendships pretty easily depending on who it is. Certain people, it'll be harder than others, but personality wise for myself, I know that I'll be able to let go of certain relationships easier than others. And sometimes that's what you got to do. Like conflicts are going to happen. And sometimes you just got to let that friendship go. Maybe even if you did solve the conflict, if you know that that's just not something you want to have to, I guess, be involved in your life or just be in your life at all, just let it go. It may be scary to let it go um, just based on maybe your past with this person or whatever. But if it's not healthy, and you know it's not good for you or for them, just let it go. Uh, I think what a lot of people fail to realize is that if it's not good for you, it's probably not good for them either. <laughs> and, and you know, there's the song, if you love me, let me go. You know what I'm talking about? It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about earlier in ministry, when you, when you, you, act on conflict in a way of love right right you say you did this wrong but i still love you i still love you enough to do this this and in friendships it's so much more difficult because it's like you are holding me back from where i know i need to be therefore i have to make this decision to move on in my journey without you you know and in that hurts like crazy sometimes and it's not a fun thing to have to go through it's it's honestly sometimes it can be absolutely heartbreaking if somebody is holding me back from what god has for me then i'm probably also holding them back from what god has for them even though it doesn't seem like it in the moment you know they are obvious like if i feel god telling me you need to drop this person you need to leave this person behind because, you know, they are, you know, the Bible talks about dropping your burden. And I hate to say it. Sometimes people can be burdened, not in general. They aren't always burdens. They're not burdens to everybody, but they're a burden in terms of your journey. My, my one journey, you know, is being held back by this one person. And so, that that I, I definitely agree 110% with what you're saying. If somebody is holding me back from where I'm supposed to be, if somebody is making it more difficult than um, or to, to get where I know God wants me to get, then obviously God wants me to at least distance myself. Sometimes that includes having a conversation with them like, hey, I don't think we need to talk as much. That's a sucky conversation that I never want to have. But um, but I have had to have. But sometimes it's just something like you just kind of slowly just back away from them, and and you know you keep up with them on Facebook, but that's about it. And sometimes that's the healthiest spot for that friendship to be in. We were actually just talking about this literally like probably three days ago, which is crazy. Crazy. That's actually who who knows? Maybe that's where this question came from. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Is this where the... Hold on. I. That's where this question came from. 
Okay. What the heck? <laughs> I know, man. I'm a genius. I'm so smart. Freaking oh, the voice genius over here. Okay, if you if you listen to the call podcast, um, one thing you're gonna have to become accustomed to is my voice cracks about 39% of the time. So just be and ready for that. What? Wait, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna try and say something funny, but I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> he said, please cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, no, my voice cracks a lot, so just be ready for that. Now, Caden, I'm about to flip this question. Same question, okay? Oh we, we, gosh, you've flipped this question three times now. I know, this is the third I'm time. I'm so I scared. I'm scared, bro. What about oh, in man. terms of leadership? Not okay. you being the leader of people. But having to have deal with conflict with people that are the leader of you. Yeah, so I don't really have any examples of this as as far as ministry, as far as right now at least. Hoping I don't have to deal with that. Uh, but moving on from ministry, just leadership in general, I think, you know, everything rises and falls on leadership. I'm sure you've heard some form of that quote before. And it's true. Uh, there was this one job I worked when I first moved here, and the boss, my boss there was, um, I, don't, I don't know how to word it, uh, but my boss there was not the best, probably sounds bad, but it's the only way I know how to put it. Uh, she was not a great boss. Um, me and her got into it a few times and just it was it was a bad situation um and actually it ended up like affecting me mentally not not mentally and then like a, like a, i don't know like it ended up affecting me in a very negative way in my actions and my attitude and and just general life because i spent a lot of my time working because i was trying to afford to you know live i guess i don't know like, I was trying to make money, as people do, and I was working there a lot, spending a lot of my time working there uh, with this boss. And I just noticed after a few months, I was like, this is, like, this is not, like, this is affecting me spiritually. I feel like I'm not being who God is calling me to be, and, like, my attitude, my actions, just working here, because I feel like I'm just not in a very healthy environment. It was very toxic. And so I had to quit, because just how bad that situation was and i like i said everything rises and falls in leadership which is not my quote but honestly it's it's true like everyone i know that used to work there has quit and i fully believe it's because of the boss there and you know i hope the best for her and whatever she does i hope she gets better because it was not healthy for anyone there you can ask anyone that worked there at the time it was it was rough. So I guess the best way to answer this is just say, sometimes you got to take yourself out of things. Like, mm. like it may be hard because I did not have, actually, no, I didn't have a job lined up. So it, it kind of worked out. But sometimes you just got to, you got to know like, okay, this is not good for me. This is not healthy for me. I just got to step away and whatever happens, happens. But I know that this is not okay for me. Yeah. Um. Again, I feel like we're on the same same wavelength, man. Because I'm kind of right there with you in that. Like, sometimes to deal with the conflict with a leader or to deal with conflict with a boss is, I mean, you do have to kind of remove yourself from the situation. You know, and and sometimes that's hard. And you know, I don't think that's the first case scenario, or I don't think that's the first thing you do. You know, right. I'm, you, right. Like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have a conversation. You know, I'm going to communicate with them my concerns. I'm going to tell them um, how they've hurt me, how they've, how, like, like I said, the concerns that I've had with that boss. I completely agree. Like, if it's just like a relationship, you know, if, if this person, um, if this person does you wrong one time, okay, like, maybe you sit down you have a conversation 
Maybe you give them the silent treatment for a couple of days. But, but if it happens again and again and again and again and again, the only healthy thing to do is to remove yourself from the situation. It, it's the same thing with a leader. Like, if I have this conversation with them, like, man, you, I, this is what you did to me. It really bothered me. And I just wanted to communicate that to you. And if it doesn't change after that, then maybe it is a healthy thing to do to remove yourself. Yeah. And again, two guys on a, on a really great podcast can tell you one thing. Like if you feel the Lord telling you that you need to be here, you know, stick it out. This is just, this is your version of Nineveh, you know, stay, then, then stay. You know, what do we have? To, what do we know? What do we have to say? You know, but from my personal experience, sometimes it is more of a. It, it's more beneficial to you spiritually, mentally, and even in your walk to say, listen, I had a great time here. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given me. But I think it'd be best for me and for you if we parted ways. And that, that's, that's that. I think that that's the, um, I mean, that's the best way that you could answer that question. I think that's great. Um, all right. So we are going to move on here to the next question. Are you ready for the next question? And this might be the deepest question of them all. Uh, I hope so. All right. I think you're ready. All right. So I love talking about your successes and we're going to get to that, um, a little later in the podcast, but I want to hear to this point in your life, and I think you know where this is going. I want to hear about your biggest failure to this point. My biggest failure? Your biggest failure. The failure that had the biggest impact on your life. In what kind of way? Maybe you failed somebody. Or if you want me to, I can ask you about your biggest accomplishment first. Maybe you tried something, and maybe you tried your best, and you didn't succeed. I don't know what I would say is my biggest failure. Uh-huh. I don't think I've been in it long enough to say I've had one. Okay. I've definitely made mistakes that are, I don't know if I'd call them failures. They're right. Definitely mistakes Okay. Uh, that are kind of big mistakes, but. I don't know if I consider this failure. My biggest failure first. Okay, you want to get that out of the way? Yeah. All right. Biggest failure. I can tell you things I messed up on and all that kind of stuff, but well, maybe that's what it is. You know, this the question is the the failure. All right. Well, well, the question wasn't this, but I'm gonna make it this. Okay. Okay. The failure that had the biggest impact on your life. Okay. So not um, necessarily your biggest failure, but that one failure, maybe it had a positive impact, maybe it had a negative impact. All right. I'm just gonna I'm gonna kinda flip the question and just call it not flip the question, but just change the wording of it just for myself. Okay. I'll just call it like mistake. Okay. Um, cool. And definitely for me is just being fully transparent. Um in high school I you know, I wasn't, I haven't always been a Christian my whole life. Uh, and one thing I've definitely struggled with is two main things. Uh, one, girls and alcohol. And definitely whenever I first became a Christian and all that stuff, I was like, all right, none of this stuff, like it's not me anymore. Um, and that's how it was for a while uh, until it wasn't. Uh, all of a sudden, I uh, started, you know, I kind of stopped going to church for a while and, you know, got back into the kind of the old lifestyle before I was a Christian. And I was in that for a while, honestly. And uh, it wasn't until maybe almost a year ago that I like, I got out of that completely where I just said, okay, this is not like, I know this is not who I need to be. This is not, this is only damaging. I knew that what I was doing was not right and that I had to stop 
because that's just not what God had called for my life. And obviously I was not 21. Um, and I've kind of talked to some people about it and just, you know, like it, it's just a part of my journey personally uh, to grow and move forward. And I'm doing that right now. Um, so I guess probably my biggest mistake is getting back into kind of some of the old habits I had before I was a Christian. Uh, but I have made it, as far as I know, I've made it out of that. Uh, hopefully I don't have any kind of relapse. I don't think I will. But I have made it out of that. And I probably the biggest mistake was just getting back involved in that while I was still a Christian. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, I, I definitely have struggled with the same thing. Um, I kind of went through the same thing that you went through, just getting back into it. It's crazy how you can get out of something, you know, you can work so hard to get to where you are. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's, it's one time you mess up again and then it feels like you can't dig yourself back out. It's like you're from square one. Right. You know, and I've definitely been there. I've made mistakes since I've been in ministry. You know, I have not been perfect the whole entire time. But it's not so much about, and this is something that I honestly realized not long ago, um, probably right before I moved to Hattiesburg. So about, for people that don't know, about a year ago, probably a little over a year ago. The thing that I noticed that honestly has been life-changing to me is, is that it's not up to me to fix it. If that's what, it, if that, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. I'm the one who consciously makes the decision to drink alcohol or to do this or to do that. Right. But until I hand whatever that is over to God completely, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It will never be fixed, even if I'm not doing it anymore. Right. It will still have a hold on me. People don't understand. Your past has a bigger hold on you than your future does in 99% of situations. Because that's what, you know, I I don't want to dip my toes in this pool over here, but that's what politics and that's what the economy and that's what even your credit score and and all of this other stuff, that's what that does to you. It gives us this mindset that whatever I did back then, it is going to affect what happens in the future, which is true. If you if you buy a car and never make your payments, your credit scores are gonna suck. You know, and that's and that's exactly what's gonna happen in life. But the difference in your walk with God and your spirituality and um, you know what what you go through in your life outside of the politics outside of the government outside of outside of what people tell you is true outside of that you know God can completely take everything that you've done in life and rip it up like a piece of paper, throw it in the garbage, say, that doesn't matter anymore. And let you walk on about your day. You know, that that's the difference, right? And in that case, when you hand your past over to God, when you hand the situation, when you hand the addiction, when you hand whatever it may be, when you hand that over to God, it is complete, for one, it's completely forgiven. And for two you will no longer be controlled by your past. Now, that's not to say, well, I'm going to hand my credit score over to God and now I can buy a house. You know, that, like that, that's not going to happen. But you can hand the decisions that you made to make your credit score bad over to God and say, God, help me, give me the strength to raise my credit score. You know, you're never going to be able to, if you lose your virginity, you're never going to say, well, I handed, you know, I handed 
that my past to God, and I am now a virgin. But you can tell God, you can ask God, God, give me the strength where I don't do that again because I'm clean right now and I don't want to go back there. And I and I think that's where both of us kind of fell a little bit in, in both of our stories, knowing our story and you just telling me, um, like what what that mistake was, what that failure was, and like me agreeing with that and saying that I struggled with that too. I think that we never completely handed what we struggled with to God. We just tried to forget about it. You know, and forgetting about yeah. it is the answer because forgetting about it means that that thing is still going to have a control over you. You're never truly going to be free of something until you give it to God. Right. And I think it just, I just kind of ignored it. And I was like, oh, well, that's, you know, it's not me anymore. Whatever. I never really, I never truly gave it to God when I first became a Christian because it just, I thought it would just magically go away uh, like many new Christians also believe. Um, but it doesn't. You got to, you got to work on it, give it to God. And there's still going to be temptations. It doesn't just magically, oh, poof, you gave it to God. Now nothing, you know, you're never going to want to do it again. Temptation is going to come. Jesus was tempted. Um, But it's about knowing that you gave it to God and that it has no hold on you anymore. Right. So let me ask you this follow-up question. Okay. All right. How do you give it to God? How do you give something to God truly? Yeah. It's a process. <laughs> I'll just say that it's a process. Um, you know what, though? I think it's a process that can literally happen in a snap of a finger. It can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it can happen in a snap of a finger, and it can also take a little bit longer, just depending on, I don't want to say the person's faith, but. It's not like we all want to be good Christians. We all want to, you know, follow the Bible and everything it says. But sometimes it's hard. A lot of TV shows, especially on Netflix and other stuff, is extremely sexualized. And a lot of people watch it. Someone told me that, like, the top ten on Netflix is probably the top ten shows you shouldn't watch. (laughs) um, Just because of all the stuff that really as Christians, we don't need to be consuming because what you let in affects your heart. It affects your spiritual health. Like, like I was saying earlier about my job, like it was not a healthy environment. It was affecting me spiritually. It was probably effectively men- affecting me mentally and just not in positive ways because of how toxic it was. And if you're constantly consuming like, if you're constantly listening to like music that's super vulgar and talking about all this bad stuff in the world and watching TV shows with a bunch of sex in it, that's all you're consuming. That's all you're going to be thinking about because that's all you're consuming. And for me, it's, it is hard to not watch TV shows that maybe not, that are not good for me and whatever the content may be, he's not going to make you stop doing something. Like you have to make the decision to stop, um, to truly stop, like give it to God and giving it to God is fasting him and maybe fasting, whatever that thing is, whether it's, you know, whatever it may be, um, fasting it, uh, talking to your leaders about it, um, praying about it, doing devos on it like there's devos out there for literally anything whatever you may be struggling with you can look it up on the bible app and you can find it on there and there's also verses about literally everything yeah there's sometimes yeah, there's something i will look up verses about sadness and millions. right right like if there's anything that you feel like you need to work on there's somewhere in the Bible that can help you with that. Like, I promise. Like, the Bible app makes it so easy. You can really look up a word, and there's verses that'll pop up for that to help you with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think all of these things are great tools, you know, to to really hand something over to God. Um, but at the end of the day, like handing something over to God is between you and God. Right. Like your leader can tell you to hand something over to God a million times over and over again, but at the end of the day, if it's up to you to really do it. Right. You know, I. I, I mean, and this is something that I've struggled with. Like, you can say that you handed it to God. You can say that you, you, um, you, you're, you're not struggling anymore because you handed it to God. You know, you can say all of these things, but until you actually hand it to God, you say, "This is not my problem anymore." You know, it's God's problem to handle. Right. You know. That is when you truly know I've handed this to God. When you can physically say, I do not worry about this anymore because it's not my problem. That's when you've handed it to God. You know, and I think that's a, what a lot of people struggle with is I don't know if I've handed it to God or not. That's how you know. Like that's the perfect indicator. That's the have I handed it to God and do I still worry about it? You know, do I still stress about my past? If, if the answer is yes, then no, you haven't handed it to God. You know, and that's, I mean, that's my opinion. That might change from person to person. But in my opinion, that is when you know you can. What do you think about that? I, For me, I've learned that I just kind of lose, lose the desire for whatever it may be. Yeah. Or just have not as strong as a desire to do something like that. Like, say, in my case, drinking. Like, if there's someone around me that's, you know, if someone's, like, drinking or whatever, they're like, offer me something. Like, I'm less willing to accept it. Like, most kids, like, in the past, I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll have a few sips or whatever. But now it's like, sure, I may still want to take a sip, but, like, it's not nearly as strong as it once was. Like it did not have a hold. It does. It no longer has a hold on my life, right. to where it's extremely hard for me to say no. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And that, and I think what we were saying kind of goes hand in hand. Like, I would, I was talking more in terms of like your past having a hold on you, and you were talking more in terms of like what's going on right now having a hold on you. Yeah, and I think they went hand in hand. Like. Like, until you're not worried about your past anymore, that's when you've handed your past to God. And you're saying, until you don't have the urge anymore, that's when you know you've had it, you've handed it to God. You know? So, kind sure. of, the, I think, kind of the same thing as far as that goes. You got to be able to let go of some of that stuff. Just because everyone, like, the show may, it may be a great show. It may, have, it may even have, like, probably the best story ever. But, you just got to be careful with what you let in. Um, I forgot what the question was. I was just kind of going <laughs> on a small little rant there. No, it's okay. Um, the question was, how do you give something to God? Yeah, how do you give something to God? <laughs> like I said, it's a process. You have to want to do it. People say all the time, God's a gentleman. Like He's not going to make you do anything necessarily. I have a couple more questions for you, though. First one, and this is this is a good one, okay? And so you're in student ministry, right? right? Name right. a student. Not well, maybe not name them, but tell a story where a student ministered to you more than you ministered to them. Oh gosh, yeah, I got a story for this. So a couple of weeks ago, I gave my first official message sermon, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> thank you um and there's a student i'm like super close with i always i pick him up for church i take him home after um almost every week and you know he's done a, a message before like a, we have a what's it called a five and five where five people are on stage and give a five minute message and he's done it before and he was doing it this week as well with me and uh, i was talking to him about it and he was just he honestly helped me through like getting prepared for it and how to have it written right and all this stuff for it. So it would be great. And 
he's like a I think he's a sophomore in high school. He's going to be a junior now because you know it's summer. But he's like a sophomore in high school, and he was teaching me all this stuff. I was like, wow, like this dude. Like I'm learning from a student right now, and I'm 20 years old, and he's like 16, and he's teaching me how to freaking write a message right now and how to do it well. Yeah, it's crazy how we're put in these leadership positions where you, you know, you're held to this the standard that that is so much higher above everything, and you know, uh, if if you're held to a standard to where you have to be the perfect example for a student. But sometimes God speaks to you through your student. Isn't that crazy, like, how that works? Oh, yeah. God speaks to you through the person that you're supposed to be speaking to. Or speaking to. That's just so crazy to me. And it's crazy the amount of things that you learn from from a situation like that it's crazy the amount of things that you not only learn but you take away Caden I think we were in the same small group of a kid that um, and I'm not going to go into details or anything but a kid that told the whole small group a story that was like mind blowing and like we didn't know how to take it and I think you probably know about what story I'm talking about. It's like the most mind-blowing story that we've ever heard. Right. But this kid told us a story that, like, we didn't even know how to wrap our heads around, you know? And it's like, from a non-believer standpoint, like, that no way it happened. But from a leadership standpoint and from a Christian standpoint, you're like, wow, like, this kid has been through hell. You know, like, how how am I supposed to deal with this? And through that situation, I learned how to deal with so many more situations, even with, okay, I've got to tell my pastor exactly what this kid said, you know, or I've got to, I've got to um, figure out what to say next time, you know, how to answer a question that you don't know the answer to. You know, I had to learn all of these things when he was asking me these questions, you know, and, so he indirectly taught me so much about student ministry in a 15-minute conversation. You know, so it's just so crazy how kids and students and even the just normal, you know, adults that, that you're ministering to, it's crazy how much you can learn from just trying to minister to them and how much they are ministering to you uh, as well. I just think that's unbelievable. I think it's mind-boggling students don't underestimate the people that um that you're ministering to don't underestimate the people that everybody else is underestimating because god's got a plan for each and every one of us and you don't know what god's plan is for that person that that's that's great i love that and just to just to add to that real quick okay um there's in kids life um we have this thing called the four l's and one of them is lead, and they have to memorize a verse that goes with it. And the verse for that is First Timothy 4.12, and it says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And, like, it says it in the Bible, like, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Mm. Like, as long as you got God on your side, like, there's endless possibilities. And that's just, it's super cool to me. I think it's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's not even as long as you have God on your side. It's as long as you realize that you have God on your side. Because we've all got God on our side. You know? Right. And that, man, that that makes me excited. That makes me pumped up. I love that. Don't underestimate the people that everybody else is underestimating. That goes for students. It goes for people you're ministering to. That goes for um the people who are asking for change outside of Walmart, you know, that goes for anybody. You don't know what God's got. That's so good. I love it. Now, um, last question here, and I, and I want to start doing this um, in every episode. And what is a question you have for me? Or do you have any questions for me? Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> I got you. Uh, I might. I might have a question for you. 
don't uh, don't underestimate uh, the young people around you. Ooh. You may think like, yeah, I don't even know what to add to that, but just don't underestimate someone just because they're young. Ooh, that's so good. That's so good. I heard a saying, and I and it's a saying that's been around. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You right. have no idea what God's got in store for this student. You have no idea what God's got in store for them. You have no idea what his plan is for them. Don't I love that. Don't underestimate. I think that there's we all have ways that we can improve in our friendship. You know, and I think that that's a hard question to answer on a podcast. <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> well, you, you can call me after this if you need to. We can talk it through. Um, no, I think, you know, I think that you're a fantastic friend. You're my best friend. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways that you thrive. You're very consistent. You're very, um, understanding because I'm not very consistent a lot of times. What is one thing that I can do to be a better friend to you? Oh, Oh, Mason's waiting on that question. He said, finally, someone asked. Oh, (laughs) no, I don't know. A way that you could improve as a friend. And I see what you're doing here. You're you're bringing me back to a conflict resolution piece of this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Do you see how I'm using our. uh, um, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A piece that you can improve on. Is. Listen, I know it's hard because I'm perfect, but oh, okay. okay. All right. Um, no, I just don't want to embarrass you on the podcast. I mean, you can. You no. don't have to put it in there. No, um, I think that one way that we can both improve is our patience level. <laughs> our patience level. And I think that, uh, you know, when – it's just like with the podcast. It took me three days to get you to do the podcast, and you had things going on, you know. I was sick. I'm still sick. <laughs> still sick, and he's still here. That's what I'm saying. Listen, they can probably tell my voice by now. We're we're near the end, and I'm sure I, Kate, I sound Kate kind of stuffy. Hug some water. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, thousand <laughs> percent. Um, no, but. Like, I was on you over and over because I needed to do the podcast right then and there, you know? And it's because I was being impatient. And there's also way, times that you've been impatient with me. And so I think that's the biggest way that we could both improve on um, in our friendship. Patience. Patience. It is a virtue. It is a virtue. Well, Caden, I am so excited to have had you on the podcast man i've had a phenomenal time with you um i hope phenomenal time uh chilling out with me on the podcast and i hope you as the listener have had a phenomenal time chilling out with me and caden here on the call caden is there anything that you want to say it's been an honor it's been fun this is a lot more fun than i expected it to be never done this before yeah absolutely and uh you did great you know, and guys, I have never done this before. So this is the first episode of the call. Um, and so we're super excited to see where the Lord takes this podcast. I think it's going to do great, great things. Um, be sure to tune in uh, next Saturday for the newest episode of the call. And we will see you guys next week. Y'all have a blessed week.